Hey, how many of you have enjoyed the series on our tribe thus far? How many of you like, the, like being a part? All right, good. Good, good, good. You know, I was sharing that our, uh, our goal every Sunday as God's people is to bring heaven to earth. And we, don't, we never do that completely till Jesus comes. But how many you know that's a, good, that's a good task? When I talk about that, the Bible says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means there should be places on planet earth that let people know that the culture of heaven is different than the culture of earth. And, and the church should be one of those places. People should come to gather the gathering of God's people all around the globe, and when they come into that environment, they should go, wow, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something wonderfully different about this atmosphere, about what's going on here. Everybody with me? They sh you should not come to church, God forbid, and get confused with going to a funeral. You should not come to church and get confused with a gang fight, all right? Now that some of you have been a part of church gang fights before, that's not good either. When you come to church, there should be something so tangibly different that you get a feel that you're in an atmosphere that's heavenly. And we're talking about what that looks like. So first thing, there should be an atmosphere of bold faith because we serve a massively big God and he's powerful and he's kind. And so... We should, we should be a place when you come here, when, when you're surrounded with people that believe that nothing is impossible with God. All right, you guys got to talk back to me now. You got to talk back to me. Come on. How many of you believe that? Okay, so here's the deal. Okay, so, so time out. Before this can feel like heaven, ready for this? Here's the bad news. Your home needs to look like heaven. I know, I had to say it, but it's true. And before your home can move in an atmosphere of heaven, here's the really bad news. Look in the mirror. You got to bring heaven into you. And there's got to be, see, some people, they can't bring heaven into their marriage or their family because it's hell on the inside of them. I'm helping you out this morning. And, and until you deal with the hell on the inside, you'll never have heaven in your home or your marriage. And so I got to get transformed first. And then I, I bring the love of Jesus to my wife and to our home. And I make sure that my home does not look like hell, that it doesn't feel like hell, it doesn't stink like hell, that it actually has the fragrance of heaven in my home. And then guess what? We all bring that atmosphere here. <laughs> now we're cooking with gas, as they say. Are you ready? Now we're, now we're moving forward because here's the deal. When the atmosphere is healthy, great things happen. People's lives are changed. People are awakened. God speaks to you. I had a man come up to me today. He said, Pastor, I can't believe it. Every single Sunday I'm here, I feel like you're reading my mail. You're talking right to me. And I just start laughing because how many of you know, I told him, I said, I said, I am not capable of doing that. I said, what you need to know is God loves you so much. He actually speaks and reads your mail every single week. Isn't God awesome? Now listen, when you have a good atmosphere, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Because listen, if you have a good atmosphere, the Holy Spirit shows up to church. And when the Holy Spirit's at church, he loves you. He talks to you. He makes you cry during worship time. He makes your heart tender toward the things of God. You're not rebellious and stubborn and all defense. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
So when the atmosphere is healthy, the Holy Spirit begins to move. When the Holy Spirit begins to move, nothing's impossible. The Holy Spirit loves to show off the greatness of God and the power of Jesus. That's what he loves to do. So we're going to believe with bold faith. How many of you know, too, we want this to be a place of hope? When people come to church on Sunday and they've had the worst day, week, month, year of their lives, and can I just tell you, with a family this big, somebody in the room this morning has had a really, really rough time, and your hope level and your hope tank is really, really low. And can I just tell you, you're at the right place, because there should be a place on planet Earth. When you come in, you get oxygen of hope, put on your tires, you came in four flats, but guess what? You're leaving, and you're fully charged up. All of a sudden, something supernatural happened, and hope came into your heart, and you don't feel like quitting anymore or giving up, and you have the hope to go on, and you have the hope to lift your head and believe God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. There should be a place where there's hope. That's called the local church. And today, we're going to talk about that third beautiful uh, Trinity, faith, hope, and love. I want to talk about daring love today, and I want you to get your Bibles out to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I want to read a couple of passages here. Now, let me just say something. Some of you came from churches where when they taught on 1 Corinthians 13, of course, the love chapter, they taught on it in a way that absolutely abused chapter 12 and chapter 14. In other words, the only reason the love chapter was in there was to remind all of the charismatics that the gifts of the Holy Spirit weren't that important. That love was really important. Can I just tell you something? That is a terrible interpretation of Scripture. The reason that the chapter 13 falls between two chapters that deal with spiritual gifts is because spiritual gifts are absolutely essential in demonstrating the kingdom of God. But if you don't do it with love, you might as well put them away. And sometimes people get infatuated with the gifts of the Spirit, and they forget that, the, that love is the undergirding uh, value that drives the whole kingdom of God. And so can I tell you, don't throw away chapter 12 and don't throw away chapter 14 just to exalt the love chapter. No, hold on to those two and just realize that God wants to empower you with his gifts to touch people, but you have to stay in an atmosphere of love or you're just a clanging symbol, right? You're, just, you're not of any good. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. Love bears all things. Love believes all things, love hopes all things, and love endures all things. And then down to verse 13, and now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But look at that last phrase, the greatest of these is what? Love. We want to talk today about not just love, but we want to talk about daring love. And again, I think it's fitting that the Sunday before Christmas we talked about hope because I can't think of anything that uh, speaks to hope better than the coming of the Messiah in real time. Amen? But now we're talking strategically on the Sunday after Christmas about daring love because I want to challenge you with this. Can anybody think of anything more powerful and more daring and a display of love than God Almighty loving you and I so much that he sent his only son to come to this earth as a little tiny infant and to go through all the hell that Jesus went through to identify with our sin, all the limitation that he went through to identify with our humanity uh, so that he could be on a mission that could be clearly marked by the word daring love. What Jesus is about is adventure. His love is bold. His love is courageous. How many of you know the love of Jesus is supernatural? I just need to bring that out. So the message today is not about trying harder. The message is about surrendering more. You all figured that to be the case? 
A lot of Christians try hard. I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to love more. Stop it. You can try all you want. You need to submit to the love of God. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to take you to a level that you've never gone to before. This is supernatural. Now, why is daring love so important? I wanted you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And I had, I think I had chapter, uh, verse 24 on the screen. But I want to read the verse before it and the verse after it and put it into some context this morning. All right? Why is it so important that we pursue the daring love of Jesus as part of our culture here? Look with me uh, at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. A little quiz this morning. What is the foundation of our hope? How do we hold on to hope without wavering? What is the foundation of that? It's right in the verse. The promises of God and the character of God. God is faithful to do what he said. Can anybody say amen? If you're lacking hope, what you need to do is crack open your Bible and begin to read and begin to eat and begin to feed and ask the Lord to speak to you. It is amazing how when we're at a time of hopelessness, I remember one time I tell this story many times, but it, it sticks with me. I was whining to God about how I needed help. Anybody ever whine to God? Whining is not really a good thing to do with the Lord. There's prayer, there's other things we do. Whining, not so good. But I was whining. Oh, Lord, I'm tired. How come I have to do it all myself? And I cracked my Bible open. I started to pray the psalm. And the very first verse my eyes came on says, the Lord is my helper. (laughs) How many of you know when you're whining that you need help and the first verse out of the entire Bible that jumps out at you is God going, "Uh, excuse me, uh, maybe you've forgotten. I'm kind of with you, all right? Just quit whining. Now, how many of you know, what are the odds of that? Let me just tell you, I don't know, but it's impossible. So those are the times when God speaks to you and, and you grab a hold of that promise and you begin to pray it and thank God for it. And what happens? Hope comes back into you. All right? So hope. Look at the next verse because now we're moving on to daring love. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And then look at verse 25. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. In between the passage, we're going to get to that verse on love. But how many you know that we're supposed to hold on to hope? We're to stimulate one another, motivate one another to love and good works. And we're we're supposed to make sure we don't forsake gathering together. Because listen to me, there's something powerful that's supposed to happen when we come together. It's not just that we come together and we hang out and we hope hope the service was okay. How many of you know your assignment every time we come together is to encourage people? So some of you are like, oh, this church, you know, we sing and then the pastor uh, prays and then he tells us to go hug everybody. Yeah, we're doing Hebrews 10 right there. You're not just supposed to walk around like a zombie, you know, or stand there in your your seat and do not. No, this is church. You're being the church. What do we do? We minister encouragement to people. So you should be on an encouragement mission. You should be out seeking uh, like a heat-seeking missile because there are people here, trust me, they need encouragement. So can I, and let me just say this, this is a secret too. If you're one of those people, you should be giving away what you have because God promises to give you what you need. So if you, listen, if this is the worst day of your life and pastor says, go greet somebody, you know what you should be doing? 
I'm going to go find somebody who's had a worse week than me. I'm going to hug them. Not that you have, Joe, but I want to love him. Uh, I'm going to release. What am I doing? I am giving encouragement out to people. This is like oxygen tank. We all come here on Sunday. This is Holy Ghost oxygen. How many of you know the world does not do a good job of encouraging you? In fact, it does a horrible job of encouraging anybody. It looks for faults and it attacks. We're in a cancel culture today. This is not cancel culture. This is kingdom culture. So every time I tell you, even you introverts, you can do this. Trust me, all right? Go hug somebody. Go shake a hand. Go, go smile. How about just smile at somebody? Because somebody needs to know that you love them that God loves them. This is not the end of the, of the world. So can I just challenge you? Somebody saying, Pastor, I really want to grow this year. Let me give you a secret. Don't miss Sunday morning. This is not the weekend. This is the beginning of the week. This is the first morning of the week. Order your life properly. Release encouragement to other people. You'll receive encouragement. You'll grow. But here's why daring love is so important. Get, let's get back to the middle verse of verse 24. It says, consider, in the King James Version, consider one another in order to stir up love and good works that word stir up is a great word it means stimulate provoke arouse excite a person to action so check this out there should be so much love flowing in this place on sunday morning that people are literally stirred up in their spirit to love jesus more and to love other people more don't you want to be a part of a church that stirs you up to love like you're around people and they're like, that person is so loving, that is so amazing, I can't believe, look at that, and you're love, 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 encouragement everywhere, and, you're, and you leave here going, I am going to pursue Jesus more, I'm going to love people better. That's, the, that's what should be happening every single week, provoking one another. You know, Marion came up to me last Sunday, she said it was so great, you know, so-and-so handed me an envelope full of money. And they told me, go deliver it to so-and-so, but keep it a secret. I don't want them to know where the money's coming from. And so Marion, instead of being a drug dealer, she's a hope dealer, all right? Instead of being a, a dope courier, she's a hope courier, all right? So here she is. She's got her drug money, and she's going up, and she's giving hope away to somebody who needed it. Now, this is what I love about this. When you're in an atmosphere of daring love and supernatural generosity and people are, you know what happens? When I see that happen, it stirs me up. And then I begin to say, Lord, who do I need to bless? Who do I need to touch? Who do I need to encourage? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, don't you want to be in an atmosphere when you leave the place, you're challenged to be better than when you came in? So listen, I'm counting on you guys because I need help. I want to keep being inspired to greater levels of kingdom greatness in the Lord. How about you? So I need you. I need you to provoke me. I need you to stimulate my faith and stimulate my love uh, to good deeds. Now, let me unpackage what we're talking about with daring love. I want to give you five quick bullet points on this. And what does it mean when we talk about living stones and our tribe being a place of daring love? First point, how many of you know we need to make love our top pursuit? Can I just challenge you this morning? There are people that come to church for all kinds of reasons. They come to church to learn. They come to church to study the Bible. They come to church to give. They come to church for all kinds of things. Can I just tell you that from a biblical perspective, the one thing, the most important thing we should be working on when we come together is manifesting the love of Jesus toward one another. Because when that gets messed up, I know people that are really smarty pants with the Bible, but they're just mean. I'm serious. 
Oh, they're Bible smarty pants. They got alphabet after their name. Oh, they know the Greek and the Hebrew. They're as mean as a rattlesnake. Knowing the Bible doesn't make you nice. Some of you are laughing. You're like, I met that person too. Uh, I mean, you know, heaven's not for smart, spiritual smarty pants. The, the, Jesus saved his choice words for the Pharisees. They were the, the Bible smarty pants, all right? So most of our churches focus on head knowledge, and we're incredibly deficient on heart knowledge. We, we, we will kill people for someone believing the wrong thing. And I'm not even talking about biblical orthodoxy. I'm talking about, like, when is Christ going to return? Oh, we'll kill you if you get the wrong answer to that. Now, can I just suggest to you, Jesus isn't like that. He's nothing like that, the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus is a lover. Now, we're going to talk about truth in just a moment, so hang in there, all you people that are concerned. I'm going to, I'm going to distruth somehow. No, I'm not. But this is what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love. Isn't that simple? Pursue love. That word pursue in the Greek means aggressively chase. It's like intentional. It's a hunter chasing down the prey. The chase isn't casual. It suggests a pursuit with this earnest desire to overtake what you're pursuing. So Paul's telling us to earnestly, passionately, aggressively chase after love to catch it. Now, how many of you know that involves some work on our part? That means you got to be intentional. So how about this for a life goal? I want to be a better lover of Jesus, and I want to be a better lover of people. If some of you are saying, what could I really focus on this year? How about that? How could I love people better? When I come to church, I'm on a mission. How can I release the love of the Father and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit in a way where people are blessed and they're glad I came to church? That's a pretty good goal, isn't it? That's a really good goal. Let's make sure we're pursuing love, and let's make sure love is priority number one. Now, can I just tell you this? In all of our ministries, the folks out in the parking lot, the very first people you see when you pull in here, they should be smiling and hugging you when you get out of the car and, 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 and pointing you to your spot and serving you even when it's 50 below zero. So you know what? Give them a big hug when you get out of the car. It's January, for God's sake. We need, we're coming right up. All right? We need to love the parking lot people. But you should be getting loved on from the parking lot to the doors to your seat to your classes to whatever ministry is going on. Every ministry of Livingstone should be primarily marked by radical, over-the-top love for you. Does that sound like a good place to worship? All right, that's what we're after. Secondly, this is so good. We're going to create a safe place for broken people to be loved to life. You can say amen if you agree. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if there was some place on planet Earth where you could just be yourself in all of your brokenness and, and your lack of uh, having arrived already, but you could have a safe place to where you could deal with that stuff and then grow? Wouldn't that be great? That's what the Lord wants when he says love bears all things. That word bears means to, to cover closely, to protect, to conceal. It's the picture uh, of uh, loving our brothers and sisters by covering them and concealing them from what would bring injury, whether it's injury with words or actions or whatever. You know, I hear this over and over again. So many Christians have come out of religious environments where they have not been covered and shielded and loved. They've been attacked and vilified and driven out because they, ready for this? They had sin in their lives. Can I just ask this question? Where on planet Earth should sinners be able to come and be real and be loved? And yet, 
Church, as sometimes certain cultures have the reputation of man, if you're not perfect, you're out of here. There's no hope for you. You'll never teach a Sunday school class. <laughs> you failed. You've come up short. You'll never be in leadership. You sinned. Have we forgotten <laughs> that we can't even join this club unless we openly confess that we're sinners? You can't even join the club. So why is it that after we get in religious settings for a while, we act like everybody's supposed to be perfect? When let me pop everybody's bubble. Nobody in this room is perfect. I just let, I just let the secret out. <laughs> Nobody is perfect. So you know what love does? Love doesn't seek to expose and attack. Love seeks to cover the sinner not the sin. Let me, let me highlight the difference. Some of you have come from unhealthy cu cultures that hid sin instead of dealing with sin. So I want to I address that this morning. I want you to picture this love that bears all things. It's like a strong roof. Aren't you grateful for buildings? Aren't you grateful for strong roofs? When the winds come, when the rains come, when the snow comes, if it comes, and I believe it will, uh, and it's on the roof, aren't you grateful you can come in here and this is a place of safety? You're under the cover. Church should be a place where broken people should be able to come. And instead of having people throwing stones at them, they have people that surround them with love and create an environment where they're able to grow and get healed and where they can be honest about what's hurting them and what, uh, and what they need to deal with. You know the picture there in John chapter 8 of the woman caught in adultery. Uh, Jesus, and this is where religion gets really, really sick. Woman caught in adultery. Jesus is teaching. It's like, he's in the, it's like he's in church, all right? Pretend I'm Jesus. I'm teaching. And all of a sudden, these Pharisees drag this woman in and interrupt the whole meeting. Now, how many of you know when you use human beings for theological proof text, you're sick? When you take a person's life and you try to make a spiritual point with their life and you don't care about the person, you're sick, some people care more about being right than they care about the people that they're arguing about or the lifestyle that they're arguing about. They care more about that than the people. And Jesus is standing there, and they drag this poor woman in. Now, again, is this woman a sinner? Absolutely. Is, is, is what she has done wrong? Absolutely. No one's, no one's questioning that. He says, Jesus, this is what the law says. What do you say? Jesus is quiet for a while. You know the story. Then he looks up in the wisdom of God, and he says this, you know, you guys are right. In fact, the oldest one among you, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the one without sin, you cast the first stone, right? And then the Bible says the oldest ones started slithering out. I don't know if it says slither, but you get the point. They started slithering out the door first, and then all the way down to the youngest ones. Now, can I just say this? The older you get in the Lord, the more graceful you should become. Because the older you get, see, when you're young in the Lord, you got all the answers. And you're really smart. And you're zealous. And, and, and you love God more than most. <laughs> and, and your zeal is at a level, and your knowledge of God is just incredible. And, and you recognize what needs to be done more than anybody that's got gray hair and bald and stuff like that. You, you get it. But you know, the opposite is the true in the kingdom. Isn't it interesting? Jesus didn't say, all right, you snakes that are the oldest, you leave first. He didn't say that. 
Jesus says, all right, who's ever without sin, you guys get this process started. It was the old Pharisees that left first. I mean, you know, the Apostle Paul, when he was the old Apostle Paul, said this, I'm the chiefest of sinners. It wasn't that he was sinning more than when he was young. I don't believe that at all. But he had an awareness of his own weakness. And you know, he was tender. And he had been around broken people long enough. And he realized that apart from the grace of God and the mercy of God, where would he be? And so he wasn't the biggest stone thrower. In fact, thank God, God had to knock him to the ground. Some of you say, well, the Holy Spirit wouldn't do that. He did it to Paul, who gave us two-thirds of the New Testament. You're a pretty good candidate, I guess, as well. <laughs> and blinded him. Oh, God wouldn't do that. God does whatever he wants to do to accomplish God's purposes in your life. So if the chiefest of sinners had to find that out the hard way by God literally blinding him, <laughs> knocking him to the ground, and then, and then having to be dependent, ready for this, on somebody who believed in God enough and believed in Paul enough that he would actually go and pray for him. How'd you like to be Ananias, right? Freaking out, oh my gosh, I know, I know your testimony. But he went and moved in love, and you know the rest of the story. My point is this. The more mature we get, the more like mothers and fathers we should become. And a mother and father does not seek to kill and destroy with their discipline. They seek to love and restore. And you know what you do as a father? You want to protect. You know what you do as a mother? You want to nurture. You want to shield. If, something, if one of your children has been hurt, you want to shield them from more hurt. You don't try to expose them to greater hurt. Is this making sense? So if we're a church that loves people, we're going to create a safe place where people are loved to life. I love this quote. Daring love bears all. B-E-A-R-S. It doesn't bear all. In other words, we come around and we bear the shoulder. How I many you know, when you associate with somebody who has committed horrific sin, the, our culture, including many church cultures, considers you guilty by uh, association. Do you know the worst thing the Pharisees could say about Jesus? Oh, you're a friend of sinners. Think about that. Here's what I want to ask you. You know, when I ran for office, there was a certain certain politician that they they smeared, they smeared his view on life, and uh, and he was running for Senate the year I was running for state rep, and all the policy people said, "Stay away from that guy. He's toxic. He'll 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 ruin your campaign. Stay away from him." I looked at those people. I said, "Are you nuts?" This man is a righteous man. He's being attacked. He's being publicly slandered. Uh, he, they're misrepresenting his view, and by association, they'll misrepresent my view. I'm going to go support this guy because he's running a great race and should be celebrated, not stay away from him because he is toxic. See, listen, spiritual politicians in the church will tell you to stay away from broken people, sinful people, wicked people, hurting people, but Jesus tells you, seek them out and shelter them, and protect them, and love them, and believe in them. But Pharisees will tell you, run. They'll ruin your reputation. How many of you figured out? The Lord told me this one time. I said, Lord, you know, I'm not so sure how this is going to come across on my reputation. Don't ever say that to the Lord. <laughs> this is what he told me. I thought, you don't have a reputation anymore. I thought when you died, you took on my reputation. And if they, hate, if they hated me, 
They're going to hate you. Isn't that what you signed up for? So quit worrying about protecting your reputation and start loving broken people that even the church doesn't like you loving. Because love bears all, it doesn't bear all, it doesn't expose the sinner. Love bears all things by protecting others from exposure and ridicule and harm. And I want you to hear this. Love never hides or protects the sin, but it does seek to protect the sinner. Y'all understand the difference there? I just want you to know love and truth are always married together in the body of Christ and in the kingdom. You can't separate love and truth. So I just want you to know we're always going to be truthful about sin because the word of God is truthful about sin. And you can't say you love God and not, be, not love truth. That makes sense? But there's a difference between loving truth uh, and hating sin and loving, uh, loving truth and loving the sinner. God's goal in sending his son was that every broken sinner could be restored and become an heir and a son and adopted. You with me? So we have to love people. And I don't know about you, but have you noticed, I got to be quicker. Have you noticed that there is a carnal thing in all of us that when we find out about a brother or sister who's fallen into sin and it's on the newspapers and all, isn't it amazing how a culture that could care less about Jesus or biblical morality are the first ones to put it on the newspapers and, and point out every fallen Christian sin? Have you noticed that? They don't have a moral code themselves, but they embrace ours when we fall, uh, which is the, the height of hypocrisy. But anyway, I won't go there. Um, inside us, we have to watch that there's not a carnal attraction to exposing all the nastiness of one another's past. The beauty of the encounter is you get to go face-to-face with real men and real women who have real pasts that have been brought to Jesus, put under the blood, and that they can look you in the eyes and say, in Jesus' name, you're forgiven. He forgives you. We forgive you. We love you. We believe in you. Do you know how liberating that is? And can I just tell you this? Churches are full of people who are scared to death to be real at the one place that should be safe because they've been wounded and hurt and judged and talked about. And instead of being covered, they've had their mess dragged through publicly in the gossip circles. And so they're not, people are not safe at the one place they should be safe. And can I just tell you this? Um, authenticity, transparency, all these things are so critical because if you, the Bible says this, be sure your sin will find you out. And if you try to just veneer and sugarcoat and cover up, whitewash your sin and put on this air of respectability, which God hates, instead of just being real, eventually your hidden sin will blow up in your face and it will be a greater source of pain, suffering, and embarrassment than if you had just been real. I mean, you know, I'm speaking the truth here from experience. You know, I, I told you before, I told my dad, how come, dad, how come the people that come to our church are not the nice little couple who've been married all their lives, teach Sunday school, they have a white picket fence, a dog named Spot, and they live happily ever after? My dad looked at me and he said, son, those people don't exist. And you know what? He's right. It's just the appearance that exists. The fact is, we're all sinners. The fact is, we all need to just be real. And I just want to tell you, this is a place that is a safe place. It's a place where you can be real. 
It's a place where you could admit that there's still some stuff that you got to get dealt with. It's a place where you could admit that, okay, I'm still not completely free. Praise the Lord. We love you, and the Lord loves you. Let's move forward together. Amen? All right, let me move on. Love covers. Point number three, we're going to choose to believe the best about others. The Bible says love believes all things. This is a constant continuing action in the Greek here. When it talks about uh, love believes, it means it's an ongoing process. It's a never give up kind of belief. This kind of love believes the best in every situation. Now you might be saying, well, pastor, are you asking us to be gullible? Are you asking us to be stupid? Are you asking us to pretend to be blind, pretend like the sin's not there? Absolutely not. But let me tell you the difference between daring love and that other kind of cheap love. Daring love sees people through the eyes of faith. Which means this. You might be here now, but I don't judge you for where you are. I'm going to look through where you are and see who Christ is going to make you into. That's what I'm going to see. I'm, I'm going to look at you through the eyes of faith and believe that nothing, like your current... Your current identity is not your final destination. Sometimes in church we look at people and we judge them where they're at or we judge them in their past when faith judges them on where they're going to become, who they're going to become, where they're going to be in the future. We look at people through the eyes of faith. It sees beyond the problems, beyond the challenges. It strains forward, check this out, to see the highest potential that resides in each person. How many of you know each person is somebody made in the image and likeness of God. They've been marred by sin. They're, they're like the beautiful woman in the wedding, white wedding gown that's been tarred and, uh, you know, with, with black pitch. Her dress is destroyed. Her beauty's been marred. But the, but the groom looks beyond all of that and says, oh, no, 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 no. God's going to clean you up. You're going to be beautiful once again. In fact, you're going to be more beautiful than ever because God's not done with you yet. That's what, that's what daring love does. It's, it chooses to believe the best in other people. I love this quote by some, a commentary that I read. When love has no evidence, it believes the best. When the evidence is adverse, it hopes for the best. And when hopes are repeatedly disappointed, it still courageously waits. Isn't that good? So we're going to believe the best. When the evidence seems to be negative, then we're still going to believe in hope and we're going to love in faith and believe that God's not done with that person yet. How about we create a culture here at Living Stones of acceptance and encouragement and affirmation? How about we create a place where we have faith to believe in people and we're going to equip them to achieve their fullest potential. Amen? So if you're here, I just want to tell you we have a vision for growth. We're not going to let you stay where you're at because daring love loves too much. Um, staying where you're at means you quit. It means you stop moving. But if you're in this place, you're going to be loved into a wonderful, uncomfortable place. How many of you know when you're growing, you're usually uncomfortable? We're going to keep loving you and challenge you and believing in you and expecting the best out of you. Uh, we're not going to hide anything under the rug, but we're also going to create a safe place where you can grow and be real. Sound like a good place to worship? That's where I want to worship. I want to be there. Also, you're not ever going to follow leaders that are negative about people. You're, you're fundamentally unqualified to lead if you don't have a vision for the people that you're leading. If you're negative and pessimistic and all you see is the people's failure, that's why I hate it when you hear these jokes that pastors say all the time, oh, I would love this job if it wasn't for the people. Are you kidding me? This job is all about people. It's about loving people. It's about believing in people. If you don't like people, how can you be pastoring people? 
If you run from people, if you live in you know, your secret places, if your secret guards take you out the back door so nobody can touch you, what kind of a pastor is that? Pastors love people. And if you don't love people, you are definitely got the wrong calling. So every one of our leaders, what do we do? We love people. People aren't a burden. Our children aren't a burden. Our ministries aren't a burden. Marriage class isn't a burden. Life groups are not a burden. We love people in this place. We believe in people. We believe in you. We believe in Christ in you. Let people know you believe in them. This one's similar. We, believe, we choose to believe the best about others, but point number four, we're going to expect the best for others. In other words, we're going to believe that, that, that your future is brighter than your past. Can I get an amen on that? The Bible says, love hopes all things. That means love expects and anticipates the best in others and the best for others. Daring love does not have a negative or critical spirit. It's always positive. It's always hopeful. Can I just share with you, if we're loving well, we're going to be constantly inspiring people even in their darkest times. We're going to believe in people. We're not going to be negative. We're not going to rob people of sometimes the only thing that they have, which is hope. So we're going to keep believing in people's dreams. I just had a meeting with somebody this past week. They had some vision in their heart. They wanted to share it. You know, when people share their visions and their dreams with you, that's one of the most vulnerable things that they could do because they're really sharing part of their most innermost being. And so you know what? We want to be a church that believes in people's dreams. How about you? We want to be a church that's a permission-granting church that says, yeah, go for it, man. Let's go for it together. Love hopes for what is good for another, even when others have ceased to hope. Uh, A daring love culture says this, I know you've had problems in the past. I know of your failures. But listen, I choose to love you. I choose to develop you. You may have been useless and disqualified, but you will become useful and valuable. I talk to people all the time. They say, Pastor, uh, I, uh, I wish I would have met the Lord earlier. I'm in my 40s. I'm in my 50s. I'm, that my other days, my past is such a mess. It's full of pain. It's full of regrets. You know, wow, man, I just wish I would have known the Lord earlier. Listen. Hope says, hey, God's got a plan for your life. It took, how about this? Jesus uh, lived to be, what, roughly 33 years of age. His public ministry was only three years. How many you know in three years, Jesus defined, his, split history in half and changed the world? God's not looking for a long time out of you. God can do a whole lot in a short time. God can transform you, use you, blow you away with what he can do. Stop looking in the past. Start looking in the future. Look in the future. Love always gives people a better future. Love truly, I want you to hear this, love truly believes the best is yet to come in people's lives. And so you tell them that. Ah, man, Pastor, I blew it. That's all right. Get back up. We're going to stay with you. We're going to love you. Ah, Pastor, I'm no good. I don't know if I can, if God will ever use me. I'm so disappointed in myself. Well, God's not disappointed in you. He gave his son for you. We believe in you. God believes in you. Let's go. Come on, we're coaches, we're cheering people on. We don't let people stay down, we get people up. Uh, And you give them hope, and you believe in them. Can I just say this too? If I'm going up to my man here, Kyle, and I'm talking about Joe behind, uh, behind Joe's back and saying, you know, we need to pray for Joe. Sorry, sorry, sucker over here. He's terrible. Uh, we need to pray for him. Now, how many of you know if I'm sharing that about Joe with you, you should be running out the door of this church because why in the world would you expect that I'm going to talk to somebody else down the road here about you? So when somebody starts talking bad about somebody at Living Stones, you should just look at them really weird like, are you a weirdo? What is the matter with you? 
Why are you talking about my brother and your brother? Have you talked to them? Why are you talking to me about that? That's not believing in people. That's not daring love. We don't do that at this church. That's not how we act. That's not how love acts. How many know we all need help on this because we've all failed in this? And I'm going to see where the Pharisees are. Yeah, you too. You too. We call these things prayer requests usually. But they're really not. Daring love believes the best for people and believes that God has a great plan for all of his kids. Let me end with this. I got two minutes. By the way, help is on the way. We're going to hopefully be sharing some vision with you uh, because even as we're doing what I'm doing now, we are violating our Living Stones core values. Pastor, how are we doing that? Because this church has always made time to love people and to pray for people and to stay with people and to hug people and to minister to people. And I have to say amen and rush you out of the building so that the next crew can arrive. So we're hoping to be sharing some, some nice solutions to that problem for the new year, all right? But I'm just telling you my heart. This is who we are. This is our culture. This is our DNA. Some of you are saying that's why, you know, when we go to the starting point classes, the thing I hear over and over again, I have never felt so loved as I have at this church. How many of you know that is, in my mind, that is the greatest testimony any church could ever have said about them is we feel so loved. You might not be saying Pastor Ron preaches the most amazing, exegetical Greek and Hebrew messages guilty most of the time snots all over my face I'm making a mess I hope I make some points I hope you remember them but I do hope this I hope you know that you've encountered the love of Jesus every time you're here I hope you know that you sense the presence of God every time you're here I hope you feel encouraged I hope you feel believed in I hope you feel greatly loved because the last point's a hard one we're going to choose to love even when it hurts. Can I get an amen on that one? You know, the Bible says love endures all things. Our vision is that all of you would be serving and growing and thriving in your area of ministry according to the gifts that God's put within you. But can I just give you a, a, a rude awakening? Loving people is messy business. If you're looking to be involved in ministry with Jesus, loving people is messy business. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be spoken evil against. You're going to have people that won't believe in you. You're going to have people that speak evil about you. You're going to have people that criticize you. You're going to have people that murmur behind your back. You're going to have people that don't appreciate the time you've invested in them. You're going to have all that and a whole lot more when you sign up to love people the way Jesus loved people. Have we forgotten that they nailed our leader to a cross after they beat him beyond recognition and stripped him naked and nailed him to a cross? How many of you want to sign up to follow in that ministry, all right? Well, that's the call to follow Jesus. It's the call to love people even when it hurts. How many of you know hurt people hurt people, broken people hurt people? I've known people that opened their home to people that didn't have a place to stay. And what did people do? They stole their belongings before they snuck out of the house. I mean, loving people is messy business. 
But guess what? Daring love doesn't just love the easy people. Daring love loves the people that aren't deserving of love. Because in case you forgot, doesn't the Bible say something like God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died on the cross for us? How many of you know we were not all that lovable, but Jesus set his affection on us and it took him all the way to the cross. So we're going to never quit loving. We're going to keep persevering. We're going to have tenacity in our love. We're going to not give up. You know, this word endure in the Greek is a military term. It means it's an army's holding of a vital position at all costs. And I I was just, I need to just say this. I was with a, a person this week or last week who's really standing in a difficult situation, uh, painful situation. They've been standing for a long time. And um, I just want to say this. The question is always, Lord, how long? How long? Daring love says this, Lord, I'm willing to stand as long as it takes, and I'm willing to do whatever is necessary until the enemy retreats and gives up this ground. And can can I just say something? On this side of eternity, uh, people quit quickly, all right? We quit, we quit way too soon. I just want to tell you from God's perspective, when you latch on to a difficult situation and you continue to stand, I'm going to give you an example. Like what about the person that's, that's terribly addicted, that's alienated their family, burned all their bridges, uh, and, and you look and you go, my gosh, they've been this way all their life. They've been this way as long as we can remember. Look at the pain that's caused their wife. Look at the pain that's caused the kids. How many of you know that person, as unlovely as they are, is in need of somebody that will stand in the place of the strategic position and keep warring for that person's deliverance, keep loving, keep praying, keep hurting, as they are the ones that receive sometimes the rejection and the pain. But they're going to stand in that place, and they're going to keep fighting for that person. And sometimes, listen to me, sometimes this side of eternity, you don't even get to see the answer to your warfare. But listen, God is war- watching all of this. And I just want to tell you, in the economy of heaven, faith and and hope and love are three things that God values greatly. And if you don't think there's not reward on the other side, if you don't think God's not watching, that person's loving, that person's standing, that person's not quitting, that person is persevering. I'm looking at a couple here in the front row, Joe and Diane. When Joe was not living for God in the early days of their marriage, this woman right here stood on that ground and fought for his salvation, fought for his deliverance, fought for their marriage. I mean, you it was amazing. And now I'll say that you will not find two people that do a better job of fighting for other people. They know they are battle tested. They know, you know, there's sometimes, there's sometimes when a person says, no, you're not taking my son. No, you're not taking my daughter. No, you're not destroying my marriage. I am going to fight and fight and fight and fight and keep doing what's right because that's what daring love does. It doesn't quit. It doesn't give up. What if Jesus had quit on us? What if Jesus got halfway to the cross and said, I'm out of here? Those people are not worth it. That's not what Jesus does. Daring love is willing to do the hard thing. You know, we go to countries, unreached countries, uh, and they're not always the safest places. Let me just tell you this. They're not the easiest places to get to either. They're on the other side of the world. Let me tell you what else about those places. There's no, nothing fun to do on free days. There's no amusement parks in those countries. They're demonized places. You know what? God said, you know what? I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel, even to hard places. Well, what if it's dangerous? 
Well, what if it's risky? You know what? Daring love is risky. It's always risky to love people. It's always risky to put your heart out there. But that's what the Lord expects from us. And you know what? I don't know about you, but when I'm going through a difficult time, I want to be a part of a church that loves me enough and loves the Lord enough that says, you know what? I'm going to fight for our pastor. And I want you to know if you're a part of our tribe and you're going through a difficult time, you will find people that will keep believing in you, keep challenging you, keep loving you, keep believing the best about you and the best for you, and that we're not going to quit on you. If you leave this church because you're mad at the pastor, somebody else offended you or whatever, and you leave the church, I want to tell you something else. You're always welcome back, and we'll pick up where we left off. And you know what? We'll love you as our brother and sister because it's not personal. Uh, We love you, period. End of discussion, because you're part of a larger tribe called the body of Christ, but you're also part of this tribe. So we're not going to get hung up on pettiness. We're not going to get hung up on unforgiveness and bitterness and all these things that, that pee in the pool of most churches. We're going to keep swimming in some beautiful water. We're going to keep believing in you. We're going to keep loving you. And we're going to achieve everything that God intended for us to achieve. Because we're going to make number one pursuit here, loving Jesus and loving people. So guess what you get to do when I say amen? You get to run out of here and you get to love people. Before you you leave, I encourage you, go up to somebody you haven't seen this week and give them the biggest hug you can muster up and just tell them, hey, I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, Your best days are ahead of you. Find somebody that's struggling right now in your life. Call them today. Tell them I believe in you and God believes in you. It's not over. This is not the end. I know this is a rough time, but we're going to make it through this. Come on. That's what daring love does. Stand to your feet. You guys are preaching way too long. Stand to your feet. Father, in the name of Jesus, baptize us with this kind of love. Cause us to just to, to pursue it until we grab it. Cause us to leave here today with our eyes wide open to people around us, not only here at church, but out in the world. Help us to love well, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.